you got to say. Man, I feel like I was made for it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. This is episode four of the Unconquerable Hope because we believe with some special guests here. This is episode four, Realities of Therapy, and I have some special, 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 special. And I, every guest is special, but these two right here is special, special, special. We're gonna save a we're gonna save a seat for this person who was supposed to be here. Um, his name is Sean as well, but he's not here. So Sean, this is Sean Miller, everyone. Should have got a little post. You know what I'm saying? A little post. I'll drop something right here. This is Sean. Right here. He's not here, but he's here. Anywho, uh, would love to introduce you. We're going to start to my right over here, Mr. Lawrence Jackson. Can you introduce yourself to the people? Yeah, it was good. So, uh, my name is Dr. Lawrence Jackson. I'm currently a clinical assistant professor at UNLV and owner of the Black Mouth Therapist LLC, which is a uh, social media platform that I put together, as well as my private practice, to further normalize mental health in our communities, inspire youth, and empower others. First of all, the black ownership. Can we just get yeah. snaps and snaps the fingers yeah. to this? Come on. He, sound, he sounds all humble. Uh, you know, I'm Dr. Lawrence Jackson. First of all, we have a doctor in the show today, okay? I'm not even there yet. I'm just getting through the first year. <laughs> Okay, sheesh. We grinding, man. We grinding. We grinding, man. You know what but I'm every day. Welcome to the show, good sir. And to this queen to my left, okay, this queen who continuously has the jokes of all jokes upon all of us in this cohort, Miss <laughs> <laughs> Jacent. Could you please introduce yourself to the people? Yes. Yeah, so I'm Jacent Wamala. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist turned money mindset coach. I actually have a private practice where I see millennial women of color to treat anxiety, depression, trauma, recovery. And then I also have my coaching business online where I help millennials be able to win with money. So after paying off over $94,000 in student loan and credit card debt, um, I noticed a huge gap and all my clients mentioned money as a major stressor. So I seek to inspire and motivate other young people to get in control of their money so that they can essentially you know, create financial freedom and build generational wealth. Snaps to another black ownership and <laughs> the ninety four thousand. Lord have mercy. Um, I ain't seen that at one. <laughs> <laughs> Not at one second. Really? Good lord! And like just to show y'all know, like the re- this, this is really family to me. Like when um, I met I met these two along with Sean Miller. We all like my <clears throat> last semester of college. We interviewed for this master's program. We were in the marriage and family therapy program at UNOV. And uh, we went through that program two and a half long years. Um, and I say long. It doesn't seem long to y'all, but those two and a half years were long. Uh, we we went through a lot through that program, and um, we all made it through. And I'm just honored the fact that you're sitting on the show, and, and that, what, seven years later, <laughs> we're all successful from the start of our start of our time in the cohort till now. So this these these two mean a lot to me in my, in my life, and I love, love them both dearly, along with Sean. Along with Sean. Uh, <laughs> so today we're talking about rea- uh, reality, uh, realities of therapy, right? Yeah. And so for folks who are first tuning in to this show, what is The Unconquerable, right? And, of course, The Unconquerable is something I started last year in July trying to figure out, okay, what exactly am I going to do my dissertation on? And the word Unconquerable was inspired by, uh, for me, was the poem Invictus, that first stanza where he talked about unconquerable souls. Mm-hmm. So I define Unconquerable as those who, one who takes on systematical, personal, economical, and structural barriers to still become successful on their own merit, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's that's where Unconquerable came from. But then I said, okay, well, for me, many of y'all know mentorship's my big thing. So my dissertation topic is <clears throat> what factors of, uh, what factors of, Informal and formal mentorship are effective towards black men, towards degree completion. Yeah. And so with mentorship, all these factors, I've been reading a lot. <laughs> and, and <laughs> a lot, a lot. And so I'm reading all these factors, and I'm like, this. these factors are not only affecting black men. They're affecting black women, women of color, um, uh, folks in general, but we don't see it, right, yeah. and, and many facets. So if we're going through all these stressors, why don't we seek therapy, right? Mm-hmm. And... Um, 
working at the community college, I've speak, I've spoken with students, and a lot of students have fear on go on seeing therapists, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, w- I really wanted to ask y'all this this first question, right? Why is there such a stigma on therapists, and not just therapists, but going to therapy? Why is there a stigma on just going to therapy? I mean, there's historical factors, obviously, that come into play right. as far as not trusting <clears throat> any powers that be, essentially. Mm-hmm. So um, that has to be taken into consideration to some extent, even though it's been some time and whatnot. But um, I think it takes a period of time before a stigma can kind of be broken down. Mm-hmm. What's nice is more and more, let's say, celebrities and influencers and things like that are open about sharing that they deal with mental health concerns and that they've sought therapy for those things. So I think that slowly but surely it's being broken down. But I think between the historical factors and um, things like, you know, what we hear in our family, the culture of our families, as far as keeping things in the home, like we don't talk to people outside of the home about certain things. So I think it's really just sometimes the culture of somebody's family, as well as the layers of cultural and you know, historical factors that come into play. <laughs> right, 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 right. What what are some of those historical factors, Mr. Sin? I mean, things like, it wasn't, well, it probably was to some extent. Um, things like Tuskegee. Oh, so, yeah. Tuskegee. you know, why would someone trust a person in power, a person that can essentially make decisions that can truly affect your life, mm-hmm. um, and and not have some level of concern? Um, so there's things like that, but also now if we really think about it, who in this nation did most of the research, came up with the, the modalities and, and methodologies as far as therapy goes, it wasn't people that looked like us. So those models <laughs> essentially were right. created pe- by people that don't look like us, yeah. um, not even created for us to mm-hmm. some extent. So yeah. that has to be taken into consideration too, because mm-hmm. originally, right, um, the people that were doing the research and creating the way that, you know, um, therapy kind of came to be in this nation um, was not people of, of minority right, right, right. right minority backgrounds people of color so that i think has to be taken into consideration however there are people that are like us right mm-hmm. um and people who came before us that uh got into the field and started creating our own ways of working with individuals that look like us on mental health so i think that man it's it, there was only four of us that yeah. looked yeah. like us yeah. right there was in only four black cohort. people yeah. in our cohort of 30 and i think that was my first time thinking like realizing oh if there's only four of us in a class of 30 yeah. well what does that mean as far as the community goes you know when you start thinking on a grander scale like yes. what's the ratio per capita of people of color to um you know people of color therapists mm-hmm. to the people of color in the community mm-hmm. and we know right like there aren't as many yep people of color that are in um, the mental health profession and and whatnot. So um, hopefully that's continues to change and and grow and evolve over time. But um, I think it has to do with those things mainly. Right. Yeah. 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 Just ain't dropping the gems per usual. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I just think, I I, I think just sent hitting on the historical trauma that is present for minorities in particular in the mistrust in the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. It makes sense, yeah. right? Um, the, the, the lack of visibility on top of that, the lack of representation mm-hmm. across the board, I mean, I think that that's another part of it as well. Um, and so when I take all those things into consideration, I think we don't even know what therapy is, mm-hmm. right? And so what I mean by that is that therapy at its core is a resource. Yeah. Hmm. Most definitely. Right? It's a resource. You get out of therapy more times than not what you put into therapy. Right. Right? And so it's one of those things where people don't even recognize what therapy is is, is utilized for or how it can benefit them because they think therapy is a is something you do when you're sick. Hmm. Right. It's something to do when something's wrong with Crazy. you. Crazy. It's something to do when you can't solve it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And not as something that can complement or supplement those things. Hmm. Right? And so I think when we start viewing therapy as what it is, mm-hmm. right, as a resource, we're able to understand what it can really do for our communities, right? right? I often kind of compare therapy to tutoring, right? Sometimes you go to tutoring, when you're failing, you mm-hmm. want to pass. A C, you want to make a B. Right. A B, keep your A, or if you already have an A, sustain your A, or be a tutor one day, right? Right. 
<clears throat> at any of those stages, it's a resource that you can use to help you to to benefit or get the most or maximize that opportunity. Yeah. And what I've learned is that therapy has been around, right? But it's been on a hush-hush because people that are utilizing as resources, they're keeping to themselves, mm. right? They, 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 they do their own thing. They may wake up and have a session or a whole nine, and they're able to get that space out. And so they're able to use their creative or mind and elsewhere to function more effectively and efficiently, mm-hmm. right? And so they, they mastered it. We just haven't. Mm-hmm. And not only that, we're, we're, we're so stuck in the, the societal expectation and pressure related to therapy. Mm-hmm. We're not willing to see how effective it can be for our overall well-being and functionality as a whole. By just utilizing that skill, utilizing that resource, mm-hmm. right? And it's like the, I understand it's the access to resource thing that also comes into play. Yes, right, big part. And I think that's where that visibility mm-hmm. comes in that Jacinta was talking about. Right, right. I think I might even get in trouble saying this. I think therapy is more accessible than what we think. Mm-hmm. Really, mm-hmm. right? More I think accessible. So. More accessible. I think okay. people. I think people can get into therapy. People can have some some part of therapy if they wanted to yeah. more times than not, right? Mm-hmm. I think they're it, recognizing that. I know there's some barriers to that still, mm-hmm. right? But I think it's more accessible. And what I mean by that is more times than not, when we go to therapy, we want to be comfortable. We want to be in a place where we feel like we can can relate to somebody. We can do whatever we need to do, right? And we get kind of picky, yeah, right? And I think that's fair, right? Yeah, if we're going to open up, we're going to be who we are. I want to pick my therapist. I want a therapist that's a black male that specializes in sex therapy that works with millennials. Like all these, whatever the case may be, right? We want to do all these things. Mm-hmm. When I think about every single time we make that 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 tailored approach to what our therapist looks like, that pool comes smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Right. And so some of us, we like, we don't want to go to therapy or, or we feel like, yeah, we went to therapy, but that wasn't for me. I think sometimes the reason why that's the case is because we don't feel as comfortable talking to any and everybody. Right. And when you talk about the people that look like you, it's still a very underutilized field for people of color, right? And so we don't get that same access that we would that that we would like to have because we're few and far between. It's harder to find us. It's hard to see us. True. Right? And I think that becomes a challenge within itself. Right. Like we want to go to therapy, yeah, but I want to be able to pick my therapist. Yeah. And all their skills and everything they do. And I can't find one. I, I may not feel as invested in the process mm-hmm. because I think the other thing about therapy, which I think is important is that there is a lot of work. It's, it's hard. It's right? <laughs> it is not easy at all. I was just right? in a session last week with my fiance. Uh, there it's, had couples therapy too. Yeah. I'll be like, Bruh, hey, it's not, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. We gotta go home together. Yeah. Man, like right at Man. Or, or or virtually now things like sessions right where yeah, virtually yeah. I'm yep. sitting next to you and then it's like all right let's do the little exercise bump <laughs> in, count breathe whatever we doing right like yeah, oh god it's 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 intense so it yeah it is man and, and I think that's 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 <laughs> it right it's it's hard it's challenging I I honestly feel like that's what we need though because yeah, we, we don't do. grow when we're comfortable mm-hmm. right yes. we grow through levels of discomfort that's how our comfort zone expands and yeah. widens. And I think naturally, even research shows is that initially having a therapist of your preference, whether it be through mm-hmm. uh, different likeness, whether it be of skin color or ethnicity or culture or different identities, right? It, it, it's beneficial in the beginning. Yeah. But if you look at for the longevity of therapy. Longevity, yes. It evens out. Yeah. And the reason being because it's about the work you put in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll make it easier to be vulnerable initially, mm-hmm. right? But... It doesn't matter if it's initial or halfway through or all the way through. you got to be willing to go through that process. you right. be willing to do that work outside of session, mm. right? Like the sessions itself are, are checkpoints, opportunities. I'm going to give you tools, but mm. I want to see if you utilize are them. Are you going to apply them? Exactly, yeah. right? And so I think that's super important. So I think sometimes we, we don't recognize what therapy looks like. Mm-hmm. We don't know what it really is. Yeah. And I think that's why it's important for us to be able to talk about it, to normalize it, to yeah. show the different aspects of what therapy really is so we can be able to maximize those opportunities. Right. right? We don't have to have that. Right? We still think therapy is something you do when, when something's wrong with you. Right. Not when everything's right with Where, you and that make it even better. Exactly. Because right? even – I'm not going to even lie to you. Like um, even when it comes – like I've been in therapy before – uh, before under in undergrad and yeah. before where I'm at now, I'm still in therapy. I've went through different therapists, right? Yeah. And I'm at the point now where my eight year old daughter, it's challenging for me to find a therapist for her. Yeah. Because it, and it's tough because I'm sitting here like, damn, like 
Uh, I'm someone who tried to get into the field, was seeking to get into the field. I know a lot of the therapists, right? And I'm I'm also do stuff. I'm one of those people who's in the community, too. So if you're known or if they know of you, it's kind of like, okay, not trying to bridge that confidentiality. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. stuff. And it, before I ask my second question, how do you how, how do you maneuver with folks like that who are somewhat I guess public figures and are struggling trying to get a therapist not for just themselves but for their, their families because yeah. that's that's breaking the whole systematic pattern itself yeah. is seeking the guidance. Yeah. What do what do you guys say to those folks like who who are like me who who are I'm up here really I'm actually actively seeking a therapist for my eight year old kid yeah. nothing that she that's wrong with her but i just feel like yo i think it's important for you to go like she's there's certain things that i know as a father it takes a village to help you child, grow yeah. right <clears throat> yeah you know what i think that's uh important to hit on because it can otherwise be pretty isolating yeah when you're that person especially knowing the importance of the resource but hitting the roadblock of who do I take them to? Because <laughs> yeah. you're That's... like, uh, well, if I know everybody. But the, the thing that comes to mind is with the virtual, the virtual realm kind of expanding is that you know there might be somebody in Reno or there might be somebody uh, remote within the state yeah, that could still be of service yeah. that isn't as heavily you know um, embedded in the community that you are yeah. on a daily Good basis. Point. So Good I point. think that. Uh, broadening that search to the entire state could be helpful right. and maybe for it to be virtual obviously you know if it's a child letting your child know um when you're in session we'll all be downstairs so that you know nobody's yeah. nobody's listening <clears throat> no one's trying to trying to ear hustle in your session or whatever right. the case may be um so i think that broadening the search could be helpful uh and i know i've personally had clients who maybe are high profile or something of the sort yeah. but i didn't know who they were yeah. you know so i'm like i don't know i don't know who you are. <laughs> 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 i don't know I, yeah. what do you do I, we ain't heard, <laughs> right. heard you know it's not there's also therapists who yeah. are not uh you know maybe because sometimes when you're a therapist, you're like head down in your practice yeah. or whatever. Absolutely. So, you know, they're not necessarily on social media. They're not necessarily <clears throat> out and about because they might be really busy with what they do. Yeah. But I think having a conversation with them. So yeah. just mm-hmm. inquiring about, um, you know, where they're at with that so that you can feel comfortable about it uh, could be helpful. But those are the things that come to mind first because it is it is di- like the finding a therapist in general yeah. is a process. Yeah. You know what I mean? So whenever someone whenever someone comes into the session, I'll be like... Kudos to you for yeah, for yeah, <laughs> for having gotten through the process of because typically people like you mentioned are going to therapy in crisis when the ish has hit the fan when they already have that when they're are, yeah, yeah so it's like people are unfortunately waiting until they're already in distress to find yeah. someone to support them and that just adds additional stress to the process of finding a therapist which is already challenging so that's why i would highly suggest you know going before you need to Mm -hmm. so you don't have to (laughs) proactive okay right like let's let's right we go to Mm -hmm. the we go to the eye doctor we go to the dentist we go to the doctor you know on some level of a regular basis to make sure there's nothing we should be concerned about right um i'm not saying that everyone should just like oh we'll just go find a therapist but if you you've probably been through something yeah you probably we all, we, yeah. we all <laughs> have mal. If it's, if you don't want to call it trauma, we can call it maladaptive. There we go. Experience and memories. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You ever had a maladaptive memory, a maladaptive experience, and it's maladaptive because you still have an emotional disturbance that's tied to it. Right. That's another word for trauma. But you, you can get away with that. You know what I'm saying? Say maladaptive. You ever had a maladaptive experience? A maladaptive you know? experience. A maladaptive moment. Spell it backwards. I have it. Sorry. My brain said. Using them letters, man. I mean, yeah, I'm picking it up. But that's the thing. I think mm-hmm. when you think about a trauma within itself, it's it's a trauma when you think about it, especially unresolved trauma. It's because. You had opportunities and times you get triggered by it. Right. Right? And that triggered moment experience brings you back to the actual experience itself. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you're not able to depersonalize and, and be mm. able to recognize, am I in the moment right, right, right here right, 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 right. or am I back in that space? Mm. Right? And that's so that within itself, that's maladaptive. 
That's, that's, that's a maladaptive experience, maladaptive memory. And so you tie that together with the most disturbance that you're experiencing right. because now you don't feel like you're here. You feel like you're in that moment. Your heart's racing, all these other different things. That's trauma. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But I think we struggle. We, we, we hear the word trauma, and it, it, it can be six, seven, ten, nine different, you know, examples or, yep. or definitions. But that's what it's at its core. It's, it's, it's an experience that is, has not been processed effectively and efficiently that still brings up not only emotional disturbance, it puts us back in a situation where we feel like we're back in it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Whether it be with abandonment, whether it be with any other type of or a loss or, or grief or or whatever it may be, it's that emotional spikes, the emotional disturbance above and beyond just, I feel this. Mm-hmm. I feel this and, I, and my legs are shaking or my, my heart's beating fast or whatever it may be. Right. It's that emotional sensation that's often tied to it. Mm. Yeah. You know what? I think you hit the nail on the head in the beginning when you said people don't even know what therapy is. Yeah. And I think people don't <clears throat> even know like in what situations <clears throat> you should look for a therapist Facts. that you like what kind of things can a therapist help you with? Absolutely. Um what what is your first session or what is the process going to look like? So I think psychoeducation is huge because you know people would hear trauma and say oh i haven't been in a car accident like yeah, i'm right. not i'm not a military vet you know like i haven't had you know x and y um what we would think is like an extreme experience yeah. right but if you've had chronic trauma like if you yeah. grew up maybe in a household where people spoke a certain way yeah. or you know in a neighborhood <clears throat> where you had certain you know experiences on a regular basis yeah, that, that to you felt and seemed normal mm-hmm. however it's maladaptive because you know being removed from that situation you're still having a stimulus and response um the psychoeducation is huge for people to understand you know their experiences are not are not one right. um, unique because people feel like they're alone in yeah. in their experience a lot absolutely, of the time. Um, and sometimes it's telling someone actually the thing that you went through is significant because sometimes yeah. people don't even it goes over their head so they're just like oh that's just life this is what we deal with and mm, there's nothing wrong with it and it's like well mm. if we're being honest that, like that's pretty traumatic buckle yeah <laughs> pretty bad <laughs> it's always it is what it is yeah right mm, it nah, happened to, right right Let, let's acknowledge it it happened right mm-hmm. it, it is it is what it is you can't minimize and we do such a and i understand why mm-hmm. right it's for our function think about the 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 we live in a world with systemic racism oppression is the norm, yeah, right, and so how we be able to function and navigate in our society is being able to recognize that like there's certain things that although they get to us, mm-hmm. we can't allow it to to influence our daily functioning, right? Amen. When you think about um, George Floyd, Amari Arbery, and all these different things, right? I think about how people were asking me, "Hey, how you doing?" And it wasn't just, "Oh, you know, I'm doing good." Yeah. Keep moving. They're like, oh, "No, no, no, let's really talk today." I'm like, wait a minute. What you trying to talk? This not this not this how I do nothing. Thing, you know what I'm saying? This like, ain't nothing new, new right? <laughs> I gotta wake up and go to my nine to five regardless. Exactly. Right? Like, this is nothing new, Bucko. You know, <laughs> and, and I, I promise you, not Bucko. Yes, Bucko. Yes, Bucko. <laughs> A big Bucko. Big Bucko. <laughs> because I remember having this in our, and I'll say in our <clears throat> cohort, I won't say names because yeah. respectfully, I got where they were coming from, but the comparison. Alone between slavery and Great Depression. First of all, you don't compare catastrophes. Yeah. Compare mm-hmm. traumas. True. Yeah. And if you okay. if you're doing this, and my question for that, and I said that because it was like, yo, if you're doing this between mm-hmm. someone else's experience of what generation generationally has impacted their family, yeah. I can only imagine what you're thinking about when you're in the therapy room. But for sure. Those wise, it's important to have those cultural those cultural awarenesses and backgrounds and trainings so that you're not offending people yeah. when you're in the therapy room. But I'm not a therapist. I chose a different track, FYI. I mean, my thing is, like, even yeah. if you're offending people, you know what I'm saying, are you learning from it? Are you learning from mm-hmm. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know right. what I'm saying? Because I feel like the most monumental, important things I've ever learned in therapy is when I made mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? Respectfully. Those things, yeah. those things stay with me, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I'm that much more cognitive. I'm not much, that much more intentional moving forward, so I don't make that mistake again, mm. right? And I think that th- there needs to be mistakes to be made. Yes. I, I agree with you, right? Yeah. So that you can learn from them. Yeah. Our concern probably is when you're doing the same mistakes and you're okay with it. Yes. Right. That's I the thing. Agree. Um, I agree. I I advocated even with Dolan with 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 our with our national organization we're part mm-hmm. of. I advocated for continuing training 
for cultural sensitivity and cultural responsiveness. Mm-hmm. Just like we have uh, trainings for, for, for substance use. Just like we have trainings for intimate partner violence. Just like we have trainings for um, suicidal ideation and things of that sort. Mm-hmm. Why That's just mandated every two years or so, right? right? Why isn't cultural sensitivity, cultural responsiveness, cultural mm-hmm. awareness also part of that? Right. right? Especially when there's more people that are open to going to therapy. Mm-hmm. The last thing I want is somebody to go to therapy, right? And they have a negative experience, and now the whole family is, is, is known about it or knowing about it, and they're also backing away from therapy. Yeah. Right? So now, again, we, we are systemically oppressing a community and not giving them the opportunity to move forward. Mm. Right? Right, right. That's key. You know what? You, it gets deep. But when I think you make a mistake in therapy <clears throat> with a yeah. client, right? The nice thing about therapy is that when you have a good therapist. Right. Tell them. Tell okay. They own you. When you have a good therapist, because not every therapist I have to say is the is, is the best. Okay. Right, 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 right. And not every therapist is for everybody. Absolutely. So it's just like if you go to the doctor, you're like, eh, I don't know about this doctor. Yeah. Yes. That means find another one. If you go to a therapist, you're like, mm, I don't know about this therapist. That means you need to go to another one. Yeah. Um, but when you're with a good therapist and they make a mistake with you, they're gonna repair it. They're gonna repair it. And yeah. that yeah. repair. It can be vital for a client because I know I have made a mistake in therapy and the repair for them was a part of their healing because I noticed and I said something about it and I just didn't walk over like that thing and just leave it there. You know what I mean? Because that's what happens in day-to-day life is that, you know, people will, you'll have a tear, somebody will offend you, they'll say something blatantly, they won't, you know, they won't acknowledge a part of who you are and then they'll just keep going about their business and interact with you as if nothing has changed. Absolutely. And in the therapy room, we can recognize like, we're all human, we all make mistakes, but I'm going to take your feelings into consideration and I acknowledge that who you are Mm -hmm. as you want to be seen as who I'm going to view you as and how I'm going to treat you. So I think that you mentioning, you know, the mistakes that we're human, you know what I mean? So no therapist is also perfect. Like we're, we are, we're also working on our ourselves too. doesn't mean that you shouldn't go see somebody, but you know, if you're with a good therapist, you're going to be able to tell because they're going to be present with you in the room. They're going to know that they might have, or they're going to inquire at least, um, offended. And then, and then they're going to repair it and then you can move on. And your therapist should be potentially asking you at times throughout your process, how you're feeling about the process, you know, like they shouldn't, they hopefully aren't just in their own world. Like, Oh, this is going great. And then, you know, every single session and they never ask you because the therapeutic relationship is also going to be a part of why therapy is more efficient because of the relationship you build with the therapist and the work that you can do with them um, because of their acknowledgement of where you at. And it's a relationship. So (laughs) they're going to ask you how things are going. Yeah. Like you said, I think the the best thing about what you just demonstrated is the importance of modeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. effective and healthy ways of going through negative yes. experiences or unhealthy experiences or whatever the case may be. You model that, right? And that's something that oftentimes our clients don't have. They don't have healthy mechanisms mm-hmm. that are allowing them to deal with uh, adverse experiences, right. right? That's why they come to therapy. Right. It wasn't working. I need something else, mm-hmm. right? And so the importance of modeling, I think, is huge just in, like, I really appreciate you highlighting that and saying that because we're going to make mistakes. Yeah. We're not perfect. Right. And, and, and not only that, I really appreciate you also highlighting that a therapist, a good therapist also is checking in with their clients. Mm-hmm. Right. Because <laughs> I think I'm a firm believer that the most effective catalyst mm. in the beginning of therapy is the relationship between the client and the therapist. Mm-hmm. Right. And then if that relationship isn't built on genuineness, authenticity, right, honesty. That connection is not is not what it should be. Right, right, right. And so if you if you want to be able to catapult, be vulnerable, you got to feel like I'm vibing with this person. I know right. what it is. Mm-hmm. They being authentically who they are. Right. They being genuine to who they are. And trust right? and trust their truth too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so like those things are so important. And I think those are the catalysts. Like if I feel like if I if I work with a client and they feel like they don't trust me, they don't think I'm real, they don't mm-hmm. think I'm I'm being authentic and genuine. We're not gonna work. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because part of this process, I'm asking you to share things with me. Yeah. I'm a firm believer that I got skills, expertise, and knowledge, but you the expert in your life, bucko, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, you feel me? Yes. So, so if Bucko. <laughs> so <laughs> if, if if you ain't willing to do, go there with me, yes. it's gonna be a tough process. Yes. Hard right? to go to war with somebody that's not telling the truth, you feel me? Absolutely. Absolutely. So how can I defend you properly? Or Amen. You, you Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely, right? 
and you're absolutely right, bro. And that's because and, with oh god, this is and this is gonna be the next question because this this is why it's important that we're talking about this yeah. today. Why are certain ethnic groups? Why do certain ethnic groups reject therapy? Because there's there there's 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 ethnic groups who praise it. Yeah, I think, and I'll speak yeah. to our yeah, ethnic yeah. group, right? Yeah, we're starting to get there to where like, okay, I think we should go to therapy, but nah, well, we'll go when we get a problem. We straight, we yeah. still we're in between. I'll say the for yeah. as far as black folks, but there's other there's other ethnic groups I've seen who really like that's yeah. it's like mandatory. Yeah, and so, so I actually. When did I move to my office? I think it was 2018. And there was another therapist who had been in business before he was in therapy. He said, you need to niche down. Like, if you're going to be successful, yeah. you have to find, you know, the the target person that you're working with, essentially. Mm-hmm. Who do you do your best work with? Who do you right. want nice. to support right. the most? And at the time, to be fully transparent, I was like, they ain't going to come see me. <laughs> because what I thought, right? And yeah. as a therapist in my own process of evolving, I was like, black people don't go to church. I mean, don't go to therapy. They yeah. go to church. Absolutely. Yeah, they go to church. Yeah. So I was like, there's no way that I'm going to have a whole practice seeing black women because that's just not culturally what mm-hmm. we do, you know? Right. And so that was something I had to break down in my own mind so that I could step into being a therapist that now has a full practice of black women that I support. And you can do both. You can do, you know what I mean? You can, you can go to church and you can have a counselor. It's not that counseling is replacing your religious or spiritual beliefs. Mm -hmm. It's to support you in being able to practice more authentically, to be able to entertain the ideas or the questions that you have um, without fear of judgment so that you can be more present and spiritually aligned. Absolutely. And so I know that for me personally, that was a bias that I had in my own head mm-hmm. about why I wasn't going to be able to have a practice to serve yeah. millennial, you know, black women was black people don't go to counseling. They go to church. Yeah. So they're not going to be coming to see me. However, um, I think that maybe it's also generational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that as the generations kind of are, are growing up, maybe seeing more representation, hearing more about it, that maybe they're more open than um, older generations to some extent. Not to right. say that I don't have clients that are also older women. Yeah. Um, so I do think that maybe there's a little bit of that that religious piece that comes in um, as far as I can only speak from my own experience. Right. Um, but I have heard it from, from some other people too, maybe in like the Latino culture as well. Um, as far as, again, just not taking things outside of the home and like airing dirty laundry, but it's confidential therapy. (laughs) You know, your therapist isn't going to be, um, blasting your information on social. Like they're literally bound by law, not to, (laughs) not to tell your information to anybody, what you talk about in sessions or anything. Um, except for harm to yourself, harm to others, or child or elder abuse. Right, and right, so, right. Um, so I think that that's really what it was. But when I had to get honest with myself, I'm like, okay. And when you say there's other cultures that praise it or that utilize the resource, right? So again, to be fully transparent, I had worked in an office where I saw other people who were you know, Caucasian and maybe from a different religious background and their churches are funding them to yep, go to counseling. Yeah. And that's it. Okay? And, that, and that's... <laughs> so, I'm glad you said it because... I wanted y'all to say it, but I, that's exactly why I put that there because I'm like, yeah, yo, they paid. I, I and when I learned that, I was like, oh, y'all, yeah. oh, this is real. So real. They got a whole. They got a whole setup. thing. Imagine if we did that in the black community. Man, healing the community, bro. Boy, <laughs> healing. Imagine if the black if black community, black churches did that. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. But culturally responsive and sensitive and aware therapist. It was Man, like a game changer. Game changer, boy. Man. Oh, what the empire. I see it. <laughs> Man, it's... And, yeah, go ahead, bro. And we, we've had people that are trying to promote that as well. Did, that's true. You know what I'm saying? With, 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 with her foundation as well. Yep. Or a different thing like Black Men Heal or mm-hmm. uh, Therapy for Black or whatever it may be. There's certain mechanisms in play to help make it more accessible for us so that right. we'll be able to utilize it, right? Mm-hmm. It, again, it's that stigma that we have, right? And, and yeah. it comes into play. Yeah, right? it comes into play. You mentioned, you know, therapy maybe being more accessible than we think right um and that it's it's kind of loaded right it's really depending on um where someone comes from because i know i used to work for the county and i was at juvie 
So, you know, it was a revolving door of kids coming in and out and really needing services. Um, And now if it's with insurance, right, a lot of people try to use their insurance. um, They may be limited to who they can go see because of their insurance. Their insurance may only work with one group, Mm -hmm. you know, one practice or one um, behavioral agency, uh, which can be limiting to some extent. Um, And then on the back end, which is a whole other world is like therapists on the other side who do or don't take insurance for whatever the reason might be. Right. Um, and that's a psychoeducation piece. Cause people are like, well, why don't you take insurance? And it's like, well, you know, the insurance the companies don't make it easy. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's tough. It's a struggle. Um, and so I know that I personally try to find ways to offset, um, you know, therapy so people can access it. I know that Loveland Foundations will pay for um, a certain amount of sessions for black women to be able to go. And I've had yeah. multiple clients that have used those vouchers and they will fully, you know, cover the cost of those sessions. And so there's a lot of different opportunities when you start looking. But I think people get so discouraged up front that they're just maybe overwhelmed and then they, they cut their, their search off early you know prematurely because usually they're also distressed they're struggling they're sad they're overwhelmed somebody cheated you know some, some <laughs> has, some, right some, some, some haven't, haven't. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I can't blame them yeah and i think just in thank you for bringing that point back up because i think the other important part about the accessibility is that what i really want to highlight is that the accessibility aspect really is prevalent right in the sense of like there's training facilities mm-hmm. right in many different communities, there's a there's a university or school that's trying to train some master level clinicians mm. that provide low cost of sliding scale fee. Right. We don't know about that. Mm. Right. We don't know. We don't know that I can pay ten dollars, five dollars, whatever mm-hmm. it is for a session, or free. and it's more as affordable. Right. But but I have to go through these different different mechanisms to make that possible. Right. Right. And I often say like I want you to look at your major universities, see if they have any programs, see if they have any centers yeah. that they serve the the community. Because that's what I mean by the accessibility there. I think when you're trying to find that one that's been in the practice for 10 years, this that becomes hard. That yeah. becomes a little bit more challenging. I think, like Jacin said, not all of us take insurance, right? And it's not because we don't want to take insurance because insurance is a lot of work, right? Yeah. And it's, it's, it takes away from ability to do the maximize of work in the community. Right. And I think that's important to recognize as well that accessibility really comes in with the ability to be able to look. Yeah. But if you're doing it reactively mm-hmm. and not proactively you're going to be burnt out you're not going to mm-hmm. want to look you're going to look at, you're going to google it you ain't going to find what you want you're going to be stopped right there mm-hmm. right yeah, you're not going to you're not going to want to fight through those barriers because you're in crisis right and and because like what the, the, that was just a lot to even unravel yeah right <laughs> and they're just talking about a process yeah so then that leads <clears throat> into my last question for this episode and literally it, it, it you hit it at the perfect time because the last question is do you believe mental health is thoroughly taught in education today? Nope. Not at all. I, who, who, who took mental health class? <laughs> who? When? Sex ed. That was it. Sex ed. I think that maybe, was it. I don't know. I know that they have, I know that schools, because I used to work at a charter, have like SEL that's supposed to be kind of built mm. in. So I think more and more yeah. it's being integrated to some extent. But even then we used to do like, you know, Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty minutes of a lesson every now and then. Right. It, it's it needs to be like built into a curriculum. Yes. The same way anything else is, and yeah. that might sound absurd to some people. However, like, what are our suicide rates? What are our rates of people um, that are unfulfilled and unsatisfied with their work? I think it's seventy percent of Americans are disengaged at work. And yeah. 40% of high school students are disengaged. So it just increases. So they're disengaged probably in high school, right? And then they go to work as adults and they're still unhappy. You know, the yeah. number grows. So I think that when we look at how it will affect the community in the long term, that we see that if we do this work up front, then we won't have as many issues. Yeah. So I think that it's not taught or, um, you know, highlighted enough. Um, and that it should honestly be a staple yeah. That is built in somehow um, in order to, to in order to help kids and families because it's not just one or the other. We come from a, a systemic perspective, yeah, system. mm-hmm. not just kids, but families to be able to have the opportunity to um, grow and thrive. Because when you talked about 
you know, wounds, right? If we're yeah. talking about maladaptive life experiences, yeah, right? Yeah. Anything that's really distressing. Um, what I see on the other end, which is really challenging as a therapist, you see it too, right? Is that we'll see people that come in 25, 27, 30, 33, just now processing things that they went through when they were seven, yep. 10, 15. So what I like to tell people is that we need to consider like what that looks like physically. If mm-hmm. you were to have gotten a cut, broken a leg, you know, s- dislocated a shoulder and not treated it for years, mm-hmm. what would the outcome be? You know, so when people yeah, come into therapy, um, you know, and we're talking about something that happened in their childhood, I'm not saying it can't be addressed. I'm not saying that we can't work through it. But the process is going to look different because now we're not just treating the the broken bone or the yeah. cut or whatever. Right. We're also treating the gangrene. Mm-hmm. We're treating the amputation that had to happen. You know what I mean? Yep. Heartbreaker. Because there's no physical location for sadness or grief no. or heartbreak. Boy. And so yeah. what happens is people will go decades without addressing things that they've been through. Yeah. And then wonder why life hit them like a truck when they were like 20, 30, because you start to have a different level of de- like a developmental awareness, yeah, yeah. you know, as you age. So then you're like, why do I feel like this? Like, why is this, why is this so much different? Like, why is it so hard for me to be in a good relationship? Yeah. Why is it so hard for me to accept being loved? Like, why do I keep finding myself in these toxic relationships? Like, why is, oh. what is this? And it's like, oh. boo boo. Uh, this, <laughs> this... Let's talk about it. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Right. I think you, you know, and that's so important because we, and it is crazy because we become adults, right? Yeah. And then we're finally able to articulate mm-hmm. how we felt. And then our, our parents or older mm-hmm. folks would be like, well, why didn't you tell me? You really expect a seven or eight <laughs> year old to be able yeah. to tell you, articulate like, <laughs> how they feel. That's why, like, I, as a father, yeah. I really had to sit down. I went to therapy to get myself right. Mm-hmm. And then I'm looking at my eight year old, right? And I'm like, okay. You witnessed your sister being born. Then me and your mom got divorced a month or two after. Like yeah. split, divorced, month or two after. <clears throat> now, four years later, your dad's another with a whole other woman, which you, you mm-hmm. love and enjoy. Yeah. But she's eight years old mm-hmm. now. That's a lot. And that's a lot. That's and a I, lot. And, I, and I I just wanted to be personal there because I'm like, yo, she. I, I'm looking at her and there's certain things she does now that Imara... That's not her reality. Mm-hmm. She, all Imara knows, my youngest, she's four. My fiance's been in her life since she was one. So all she knows is daddy mm-hmm. and Jasmine. Yeah. And that daddy, mommy, we get along, they had you. Yeah. But it's a completely different experience for your money. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and, that's, yeah, yeah. and those are my kids. And for folks, don't know. But now, how will my daughter grow up when she's our age? Mm-hmm. How will she process that? Yeah. And she may be fine, but that's a completely different type of mental capacity that's a, a mental breakthrough she might have to go through i don't know but that's why i'm sitting here looking at her like yeah i need to get her in therapy because i know what that does yeah because i remember being four and what happened when my parents got divorced yeah. and it still affects me today absolutely mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah you mentioned she can be fine right yeah and and fine it itself doesn't mean that everything is 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 processed, processed right? yes because at our core we're resilient people mm-hmm. think yep. about think about our history think about what we made through yep right think about for the very existence of being sitting in this seat right now to have these mm-hmm. conversations with people that are from our ancestors yes. had to go through had to go right through. Boy. we're resilient at our core right and i think that's the other reason why we don't go to therapy because we're resilient mm-hmm. we always find a way we're resourceful mm-hmm. right but it it, it, it it takes a certain level of a sentence to be able to recognize, like, I can't do this myself. Yes. I, need I need more. And that's a tough, tough reality to face when you have been able to figure out how to deal with oppression for centuries. Boy. Right? And I think that comes into play a lot. But like like you mentioned, like, yeah, she could be fine, but, like, that resiliency is great. Yeah. We have that. Why are we always going to have that, though? Why are we always going to... Why, uh, why, why do we always have to be resilient? Yeah. Right? Why, why is that... Yeah, it's great to have that, but why always got to utilize it? Why? Uh, yeah. Why? Why is it always going to have to be the way that I, I function? Yeah. Or, or or get the best. We put you through some stuff. And we knew you were great. What? No, nah, bro. Right. <laughs> and, and, and I think you, you you taking a step to say, hey, these things can impact you. So I want to give you support around that. Yeah. 
just to make sure that you have healthier ways to process it when it comes about. That's important because what we do is we have unhealthy coping mechanisms, right, that we develop that get us through some stuff, right? But there's other ways that we can go about it that could be more beneficial for our functionality, Mm -hmm. right? You know what, you you mentioned that, it makes me think about how we mentioned utilizing therapy as a proactive means of preparing for life, because guess what, there's going to be something, like, (laughs) you're going to, you're going to have to deal with something in life, so um, why not get the coping skills, get Mm -hmm. the, get the language, language, um, if need be, right, to be able to talk about what's going on, and sometimes it's maybe not talking, sometimes it's maybe dancing, it's art, Uh, it's, I I don't know, it's taking a walk, self-care, you know what I'm saying, (laughs) self-care, and so when I think about, you know, is mental health really being addressed and taught in schools um, enough Mm. or to anybody? Anybody. No, because to me, your daughter's eight, right? She's got friends at school. There should be friendship groups or, you know, how to handle friendship, right? right, right, right? right. Because I I don't know about anybody else. But I I remember when I was at the charter school, it's like kindergartners with drama. I'm like, oh boy. Like, is this how... (laughs) (laughs) That are mirroring their problem households. households. (laughs) I'm I'm sitting there like, how, oh, you how your best friend doing? <laughs> oh, daddy, this what happened today. <laughs> right. Oh, no, bucko. Oh. <laughs> you mean you got relationship problems in the second grade? Yes. Oh, I don't uh, like this, okay. bro. No, seriously. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> it's not a game. It's, like, not, it's serious. Okay, well, thankfully, Valentine's Day is over. I remember having a kid come into my, my office when I worked at a school, and it was Valentine's week or whatever. The kid is bawling, crying. Do something like the girl doesn't like me. The girl do- and this kid is like third grade, <clears throat> and I'm like, who's talking to this kid about relationships? Yeah, they're talking not. about. I had a fourth grader that was talking about cheating. They need to. We we can talk to them and teach them, or they're gonna learn on their own. Yeah. So Boy. we need to decide who do we want them to get this information mm-hmm. from. We don't want them mm-hmm. to get it from social media, Lord. Please, Lord. We don't want them to get it from reality TV Please, or yeah. music. Not yeah. that you shouldn't be listening to certain things but you want to have a context you want to have the information to go along with the things that they're hearing that they're seeing um so that they are developing in a way that is full and yeah. whole and that yeah. they know who they are so i think that that's huge if they're starting to date at whatever age there needs to be couples counseling available to them kick me if you are mad about it like yeah. you're letting them date you know <clears throat> that they like somebody yeah so who's talking to them about what a healthy relationship looks wow. like versus what toxic traits look like versus abuse versus you know what I'm saying like who who's having these conversations yeah. with them who's really breaking these things down and it has to be age appropriate over time exactly so that's across that's the, the life thing thank you make it make sense bucko <laughs> you know make it make sense please that's crazy good lord what's the name of this episode man <laughs> And as we get ready to close this episode, for one, thank you both for being on the show. Um, as y'all can tell, this is not the end of the conversation. It, it's, it's an ongoing conversation that we need to have. But right. this, this show was created because we have these conversations often offline. But we yeah. don't. there's not a platform that brings these type of conversations out where yeah. people can access them. Like you see them. Like the closest thing, and to be honest, the closest thing that I've seen is certain podcasts, but the Breakfast Club is had their yeah. few gyms where they talk about this stuff and they get there but it's not ongoing we don't yeah, talk yeah. about therapy and how because you imagine you imagine a student is supposed to come to school be prepared mm. do great things and not have life factors affect them you expect them to leave that at the door yeah, yeah. and that's why i ask these questions pertaining to education because it all ties in absolutely it all ties in and I can't, uh, before we leave, is there one last thing y'all want to say to the folks for them? Selfish plugs, little gems, anything. They can follow y'all by. Let the people know. Let you take it away. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you are in the state of Nevada and need to be connected with somebody, feel free to reach out because it can be helpful to have someone bridge that gap for you and say, here are some referrals if it ain't me, okay? <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is fine. I know a whole bunch of therapists. So you can find me. Um, I'm most active on social at Jacent's Gems, J-A-C-E-N-T-S-G-E-M-S. And um, if not, you know what I mean? 
and you're wondering if it's time for you to maybe get some support, you're feeling like this conversation resonated with you in any way, um, let this be the sign, you know, to look for someone to support you in what you're dealing with. It is okay. There's no shame or embarrassment or guilt or anything around it um, in getting services and support. So if that was something that you needed to get permission from somebody to say, then let this be that for you uh, to get the support that you um, deserve, really. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dr. Jackson. Man, so, yeah, so, like I said, therapy is a resource. I think that at any time, um, you can benefit from the process. And I really appreciate the conversation today because we oftentimes do look at it in crisis, yeah. but not proactively. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we think we're not in crisis, but we are. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the other thing as well. And so just, I, I highly just, um, encourage you all to try it out, man. Try therapy, um, whether it be through checking out descent or checking out myself or anybody else. Uh, I think something should, that you should just give it a try, do the best out of it, and get, see what you can get out of that process. Um, you can definitely follow me at the Black Male Therapist um, on Facebook and Instagram. I've started a platform called Black Therapy Fridays where I normalize mental health um, by having conversations about therapy. So the questions that you're unsure about, I, I sometimes answer those. And if you have a question for me, let me know. I'll make a video about it and answer it related to therapy, related to mental health, related to emotional well-being. Right? We talked about EQ. I didn't know what EQ was until about three, four months ago, but I promise you I've been working on it, right? Emotional intelligence, right? And so I think that's important to be able to have certain conversations that will get us there. And so... Yeah, feel free to follow me. Check out. Uh, also, have a a a fashion line attached to my services as well. This is my newest shirt. Black therapy are for relevant, meaningful, and purposeful in our current society and culture. Um, and so these are dropping real, real soon. Probably within the next week, they're gonna be out there. But it's just important to have conversations, right? And this is a t-shirt that can begin to have conversations with people around you or people that you interact with. And so at the core, I think we got to promote mental health awareness, inspire youth, and empower others through the work that we do. And so that's what I do on my platform. And thank you. I can't thank you both enough again. It's been a pleasure. Ladies and gents, that is the fourth episode, my apologies, Realities of Therapy with Dr. Jackson and Ms. Jacint. Um, thank you all. Tap in with us. Follow us on all of our all of social platforms. Uh, www.officialunconquerable.com. Follow Official Unconquerable. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Follow us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, okay. Anchor. I'm on RadioCast. I'm on all of it, bucko. We in here, bucko. We outro. Thank you. We out. My man Terrell in the back, my videographer. We out. Thank you. Clocked in. Clocked in. Yes, sir. Come on, man. Hey, y'all killed this. Yes. Hey, listen, man. It's hot. It's going down, man. We in Vegas, but we bringing that heat. You feel me? Unconquerable. Clocked in. We out here.